So what was your first interaction with social media at all? Mm, it was so I know. So I had an internship that was an SEO internship. So not quite social media, an but SEO an aspect. Internship. Yeah, that was my first internship when I was in college. Now, why? you, <laughs> Yo, because I couldn't do it. I couldn't just sit there. And just be on the computer. Like, I got to go on live. I got to go on tour. I got to be outside. I wish I'm I like, could be hey, more like you. No, you don't. Because <laughs> you you can't stop ever. But that's why I'm there. I, I'm, I just never seen somebody build such a, a, a powerful brand on social media and sell so many courses without much interaction from the person. Mm. And that's what I've always been fascinated about. For you. Mm. But you took an SEO class. So you're starting to understand this. Thing, how it works. How to drive traffic. Exactly. Yep. What'd you learn? What, what's one of the things you that you learned working there that's, that still sticks with you today? Oh, I mean, so it's interesting. The one biggest thing I learned is also probably the one biggest rule I broke that made me successful. Mm. So the one biggest rule was definitely optimizing for keywords um, thinking very specifically about your audience and what they're typing in as opposed to you saying, oh, these are my like fancy words to describe my business. So that was the one takeaway. Um, and then how I broke that rule is that when I launched my course, I really focused on my story. I focused on what I talk about is your culture ad. Like I'm not here to fit in. I'm here to add value. I'm a culture ad. I have a cultural advantage. So what are those things that make me different from anyone else? Mm. Because it is supply and demand. So it's like, if there's only one of something, the demand, if there's only one in the supply, the demand is going to be real high because you can only come to me to get the, these set of experiences. Like I am the authority of all these things that no one else is. And just like everyone is the authority of their own story. So you don't even need to have all the accolades, but like, oh, I, I have to go to you to get like your story. So I would say that's the one rule that I broke that made me successful was using my uniqueness as opposed to playing to what is everyone searching for? Mm. That's like, okay, that's the first level. But in order to stand out from everyone else and to have that exponential growth that I had and be that first mover, it's to create your own lane by tapping into like, what is my specific story? Yeah. What was the big idea though? So the big idea. So what I did first was make a list. So I made a list of all the things I knew how to do, what I had learned in my job, all my different experiences working at American Express and business, being a director of sales, like just all the things that came naturally to me. And I really have always known a lot about business, a lot about business financing, working at American Express, and then a lot about sales overall. Because um, in my corporate job, when I started there, we had like a team of 10. Mm -hmm. And by the time the you know company closed down, we were about a team of 140. And I had helped that business scale oh, wow. to like 7 million in revenue. Yeah. Mm. So I was good at my job. Yeah, you know, sure. like I really knew about sales and just marketing and all of that. So I said, okay, let me make this list. What can I do that I like doing that other people in the marketplace might need? So I tried to start consulting before that, like before I, you know, scaled my business consulting on LinkedIn who? to other businesses. So those who were trying to hire me or who I was trying to apply for a job for and like director of sales or a leadership trainer and things like that, I tried to pitch them if they didn't want to hire me to just bring me in for, you know, six weeks at a time to develop their leadership gotcha. team, right? That wasn't working. So I said, okay, let me go to a bigger market instead of just 
jobs mm-hmm. at LinkedIn. Um, and so that's how I decided to take what I knew and give it to people on the internet. I started creating content about sales. I started creating content about leadership. I started creating content about business credit. Mm-hmm. And that's what really ended up taking off, you know? Um, when you say it, it started taking off, what mm-hmm. do you mean? So what's interesting is I never planned to teach people business financing and what I had learned at Amex, but I made a post one day on Instagram. This is when I had like, you know, 400 followers. And I was like, here's how you build your business credit score. Hold on. Two years ago, you had 400 followers? Yes. When I started in July. Because I know. <laughs> I, I didn't see 300 followers. I didn't see a big number. Hold on. Because yes. right now you're at how many? Like 357 or something. 357,000? Yes. How you do that, Ellie? Listen, and no ads, might I say. All organic You ain't buy them little bots? You ain't buy no, no bots? No, <laughs> no bots, no ads, just real, real content, going live, engaging, DMs, and a lot of work. Let me ask you, why do you think I had, so at first, did really, really good on video, and then I started leaning, and this may cause to, this may be a reason why my YouTube started to kind of um, decline. Because I started leaning into the audio because I'm just a big believer in the audio. Like, because you can listen to audio and that's where a lot of the ads are coming into. Like these corporations, they send a lot of ad deals for the audio experience. Maybe because if someone's like, if someone's listening to your podcast, they didn't like stumble on that. They actually went into the app, found you, hit follow. They decide to listen, right? But I, I my, my, my audio continued to grow, but my, my video declined. Do you think my video declined because I was pushing audio more? Um, I think there could be a lot of factors. I think, um, you know, we just actually had a discussion with our team and now we have a couple really great creative minds on our podcast and our YouTube channel. We were actually talking about Lewis House. Are you familiar with Lewis oh, House? I love Lewis. School of Greatness. Yeah. Like his YouTube channel is blowing up. Do you know what his deal was? He just got a deal. Uh, with like a Spotify or something like yeah. that? Yeah, I'm not sure. But... But what we were, the, the conversation I wanted to initiate was what does he do different between his YouTube channel and his audio channel? And there's big differences. His audio channel, you kind of have the opportunity to maybe have the hook at the beginning. You maybe have a couple ad spots. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that conversation. It's unpacking. Um, you maybe define who the guest is. You go through all that kind of stuff. So we watched one of his videos with Alex from Ozzy, right? And, and the beginning of the video is just into it. It's a really broad appeal question. He had, you know, Grant Cardone on and he's like, he's like, so how do people, you know, protect their wealth in recession? Boom, right into it. No intro grant, no, no sponsor spots, no anything else. And it just gets straight into the content. So I think this, I know this can be overwhelming for someone who's like just starting or thinking about, man, it's hard enough to just sit down and record a podcast. Now I'm recording <laughs> different audio, different video. Yeah. But I think you really want to contextualize it for the platform. I think that where you got to think a little bit different about YouTube, at least a little bit different, if not kind of have a different approach um, in terms. So we're already thinking about like trimming a lot of the fluff out of our video podcast, Mm. same episodes. And we're already desynced in terms of the numbers, you know, meaning we're on like episode 155 of our audio podcast and we're on 300 of our YouTube channel because there's clips and there's other things happening. And are you trying to, so if you're kind of having the core content the same, I think the nuance, the people who are really going to win are going to apply the different nuances to YouTube is maybe trimmed down. Maybe the brand spot isn't there. 
it gets straight into it. Um, you know, the even the title might be a little bit different because yeah. you are still trying to get that click through rate versus yeah. on the audio podcast. People are just bought in, like you said, yeah. they're just like they're subscribed. That's part of their RSS feed. They love they, there's some trust there. The the audience retention, a lot of people make it 80 percent, 90 percent into it because they're working out yeah, like sure. they're, you know, they're doing chores like they're just kind of listening. YouTube's sort of a different game. And I think you don't have to go as extreme as I just said, but I think even just a small attention to detail and the nuances of the platform could be the difference to making YouTube really work for you. Wow. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm always on YouTube and I'm looking for podcast conversation, video conversation. And believe it or not, there's not a lot of good stuff online. That's why I'm really excited about this conversation. I think there are a lot of people are going to appreciate it wow, someone's really getting into nuts and bolts, like your multiple channels. And this is, this is, a, this is a, a very, a, a significant part about the story because Fanbase is a Black-founded social media startup. And what I'm about to say is not to throw anybody under the bus, but initially I wanted, my goal was to like, I want Black developers. Mm-hmm. I want to find, I had like, I had a Black, I had a Black mentor that was helping me. And in the process, that person kind of just disappeared and then the first guy that I went to that was a black developer was like, ah, he's a little too busy to build it. And the second guys didn't have their stuff together. So my attorney drew was like, I know this Argentinian guy mm. who built a really cool website for me. And he has a company and they built stuff for like the CDC and Taco Bell. He has a development company. You need to meet him. And he lives in Atlanta, mm. but the team is in Argentina. So it'll cost way less. Like if you're trying to build what you're trying to build, it'll probably cost you $600,000. You can probably get it done for 125, 130. Mm. And me and Ramiro met and it was magic. It was like, boom. Like when I'm talking about ready to go, it was like instantly chemistry communication. It was like perfect. So I paid initially um, that company to develop fan base. Gotcha. Along the way, um, Ramiro and his business partners have been in business for about 10 or 12 years and they approached me. And they it's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. 
All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Said, hey, we want to invest in fan base. Like this is the first thing we built that we feel like we ain't never heard nothing like this. This can yeah. go somewhere. And by talking to Jewel and, and Barry and Justin, you have to have a CTO. And people don't know that's a chief technology officer. So you have to have someone that can build what you say you want to build. So as much as I, much as I have a vision, someone mm -hmm. has to execute that vision. There's a good book called Rocket Fuel that you should read. Um, mm -hmm. Andre 3000 told me to read it. But it talks about um, visionaries and integrators. And so I'm a visionary. I play that role. It's big mm -hmm. ideas, close the deals. I'm that guy. But you have to have people to integrate. Yeah. And Ramiro is an integrator. So they take all the stuff that I say on you know, my vision and right. make the buttons do what they're supposed to do masterfully. Um, Let me ask this question. Yeah. Why was your first thought, I want the whole team to be black? Because there is a disproportionate relationship between black culture and technology. Mm -hmm. When I was reading the amount of money that, that companies like Facebook were making in ad revenue, mm -hmm. $113 billion a year, you know. <sighs> you know, $90 billion a year, right? And my point is, is like, has anybody ever thought the 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 vehicle is Facebook, the vehicle is Instagram, the gasoline is youth and black culture? Has anybody ever stopped and said, hey, like, let's take $6 billion and put it in the hood? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, let's put it in Chicago. Let's, right. put, let's put it in Baltimore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Really, let's create like creator centers and teach kids how to mm -hmm. code and do all this, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no. Nah. And so the the... The, the gift and the curse of being black is we are the apex of innovation. There's nothing cooler than a black person on the planet. I'm not, <laughs> you can't, I'm telling you, it's like. Nothing cooler than a black person. That's a fact. It's nothing cooler than black people. Like it's, it's, it's impossible to market and promote anything as being cool without the assistance of black people. It can be sentimental, romantic, adventurous, exciting, cool. You need our dances. You need our slang. You need our fashion. You need something from us that says, yeah, that's what's next and that's what's cool. And that is mined and siphoned 
through advertising and through companies, that is the vibranium. It's like, it's like the way that when I say a car doesn't run without gasoline, right? Mm -hmm. Social media doesn't run without the petroleum of black culture. Mm. And we give it away for free. We just let it flow. And what happens is it, it is, it is mined and used and then monetized, but not nobody in the hood gets it. So the little girl that creates the savage challenge, they don't, she doesn't want it with the brand deal. Mm. Winds up being Charlie D'Amelio or Addison Ray or like that. They just take it and pump it up and let them let them be rich. But they want you to keep continuing to do that. And that is what what I what I say is we have to turn our innovations into acquisitions, right? Mm. We innovate at a speed and a pace that we don't understand. We're creating industries. I got a chance to to virtually meet Grandmaster Flash about six months ago, and I use this all the time when I talk to people. I said, the moment that you DJed on two turntables and a mixer. Someone should have pulled you to the side and said, do not show an MF of what you just showed me. Mm. Let's go figure out how to build turntables and mixers. Because everybody that does this is going to need that. Wow. Fast forward, Pioneer, Techniques, Serato, they own the multi-billion dollar DJ culture. They own it. We should be, everybody should be DJing on the Flash 5000 right now. He yeah. should be sitting up in some mansion worth about $20 billion because he innovated something, but... You don't make it an acquisition. We do that with cars. I actually saw uh, somebody made a joke. Somebody made a joke about the Rolls Royce star ceiling. It's like, you can have the Rolls Royce star ceilings. I was like, yo, we was doing that at Impalas. Like <laughs> ah, in the bad. 90s. Like, dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we innovate. We innovate everything. It's like, we, like all the luxury cars are what we were doing in the hood. Yeah. My dad had a TV refrigerator and a car and a Cadillac in the 70s. Every car has that now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. That's just what we do. We just do flash. Put me yeah. on the floor. Just stupid. But Give me the edited like, version, please. You know oh, sorry. Well, yeah, just stupid <laughs> stuff. So, you know, we just we just do wild, flamboyant stuff. Yeah. And then, but but that is cool. Yeah. And people want those things. And so, um, as a development team, I was like, we need to own it. Because a lot of times we have these, you know, these, these, these things that we build, that we sell. Like prime example, and I'll, and I'll use this. This is a very, very great thing that's happened with QC selling, right? Mm-hmm. They sold their label for like $250 million, yeah. right? But I, I also, we also have to sometimes shoot a little higher to be like Tyler Perry, to mm-hmm. own everything. You know, there's a difference between, I think- So are you saying they shouldn't have sold? Um, no, because the reason why I'm saying that, that, that they shouldn't have sold because they can still take that revenue and do other things with it. Like everybody that's selling their catalog, they can do. It's a business. Businesses are built to be sold. Everyone will. But- I'm the kind of person that wants to take that chance to own the entire infrastructure. People look at Tyler Perry like, okay, it's like this. When when most black filmmakers in Hollywood want to go make a movie, they have to walk around to a bunch of production companies and say, can I have money to make my movie? Can I have money to make my movie? Can I have money to make my movie? Tyler Perry goes in his back pocket. He writes a check for his movie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then he goes to his studio and films the whole project on the studio and then he puts it out on the streaming service because he owns half of BET Plus and gets $100 million a year from that deal. Does he own half of BET Plus? It's a, it's a, well, he gets $100 million a deal. $100 million a year off that deal. Yeah. On BET Plus. Tyler and he, the Perry. And Golly. he licenses his content. So he took his content from TBS to Lionsgate to own and now to BET. He just moves it around. He never sold it. He licensed it. Mm. And so people look at Tyler Perry like, well, how, where do we exploit him at? How do we, where do we get in? Where do we make money? He, he owns it from, you know, inception to distribution. And they can't get in. And they can't get in. And we have to do that with social media. There's, there's, we have to. There's never been 
you know, there's never been a black founded social media startup that has achieved the level of success of an Instagram or a Facebook, but we have to do that because there's so much, there's so much benefit. You, you're telling me right now, sitting in this room with all these people, you're telling me if fan base is making 113 billion a year or when it is that we're not going to give money to the hood. We're not I taking would hope so for sure. All right. So when you got, so Udemy, for those that don't know, it's a course platform where course creators upload their courses and you, you can buy them. It's in a, it's a marketplace. Exactly. So not like a job where you put your course on there and you sell it to other people. But if you're looking for anything. It's like an Amazon for online courses. It's almost like the thrift store though a little bit. Oh, absolutely. It's a discount. Uh, it's yeah, a dollar it was store, of course a like bit. ten dollars on that. <laughs> yes. I was like, dang. Yes, I bought it. But <laughs> I bought that joint. Yeah, it is. It's it's a marketplace. Is that so. their mission? Yeah, I mean, it didn't start out that way. Um, but over time, we saw that people responded to the ten dollar deals really well. Like mm. at first, we started running them seasonally, like in the holidays, and then the customers responded really well. And I think that's where the understanding came in mm. that. The people on Udemy or like any marketplace, these are avid learners and they don't necessarily want to master, fully master one thing. They want to learn about a bunch of things. Correct. So that's why the $10 price point really spoke to them. Mm. And that made like my course, Course from Scratch and like what I teach, a differentiator. Because I'm like, nah, nah, nah. Course from Scratch is for you if you want to master this mm. and you want to get results. So you want implementation help. You want to launch your course make 10,000. You want to create a framework that you could turn into a book proposal, get a six-figure book deal from it. You could get a five-figure speaking engagement from the same framework. You could get a corporate consulting gig for five figures for the same framework. Like, you know, showing you how to actually master creating your own framework from your story and then marketing skills to launch it and make 10K and then scale it up to a million if you want. Gotcha. So, um, with, when you started selling the, what was your first course that you had it made money off of. What was that? It was called Press Play. Press Play. And it helped people. It was based on my experience um, organizing that national tour and raising the brand sponsorships. That's what I did when I co-founded the startup. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so it went way this- back to 2010. I launched my first course in 20, uh, 2012. Gotcha. Hold on. Joe, can you get this call real quick? Um, hold on. Here you go. So your experience with your your failed startup gave, but you had enough wins in there where you can create a course on what I do know works. Yes. And you started selling that. How was that launch? Oh my gosh. I did all the things. I um, did webinars or my version of a webinar, which is not what it is today. It was, it was pretty bootleg, but I did my version of a webinar. I did my version of affiliates. Mm -hmm. So I would bring on like guest speakers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did a a series of like three or four of them. And I brought on guest speakers who had either like a name or an audience. Um, And I would bring them on. I built my email list and then I did some like YouTube shows. So I had a show called Big Fish, Big Tip. And I didn't understand that was innuendo, but I had another show. That's a what? Big Fish, Big Tip. What is that? Like big tip. What do you mean? What is it? I'm no, sorry. Are we <laughs> okay? First, explain. <laughs> okay. All right. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because I, cause I, I didn't know what innuendo meant first. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Like is it's it? a, a sexual reference. And oh, I didn't, it? no, but I didn't mean it to be. I didn't know. Clickbait, eh? I was young and naive, <laughs> y'all. I didn't, I didn't know what a tip was. Um, but yeah, it was supposed to be an actual marketing tip. Like, mm. um, yeah. So I did a series of, <laughs> of like TV shows. So this is when I was broke living with my mom. Mm. And my sister, Giselle, would use my mom's flip cam. You remember flip cams? Yeah. She would use a flip cam and she would record me in the backyard because my mom had like a park in her backyard. So we'd go in the park and I would be like recording. We'd go down to the beach. It'd be all windy and my, my wow. hair would be blown. It would <laughs> And I'd be like, welcome to Big Fish, Big Tip. So I did all the things mm. in short. Like I did all the tactics that you were supposed to do. Um, and then I got one sale for $1,000. And it wasn't even through all those tactics. It was through an online course that I had joined and I posted in the, in the community group. And I was like, hey, here's one of my episodes that I just did. I would love your feedback. And a girl saw my video and she DM'd me or private messaged me on Facebook and was like, you know, can you help me actually? And we got on the phone and I sold her over the phone. From 400 followers. 300. Actually. 300 followers. To... A hundred thousand excellent. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. So, okay, you have this job, and but you know this stuff about business credit because you worked in corporate America. Exactly. So you just decide to start putting out information yeah. that you know on social media. Exactly. Three times a day. Three Every times day. a day. Three times a day. Every single day. Ask, ask uh, Carter. He knows. Everybody knows. Three times you a day. You saw this? What? It went live every day. It went live every day. It went live every day. Every day. Three times a day. Every single day. No days off. Every single night for the last 18, 19 months. What? Yes. So did you have a product that you were selling when you started going live? Did you say, okay, I'm just going to keep hitting the Instagram with this? So I actually didn't develop a paid product until maybe about four or five months in. So my first four months, you know, around July is when I posted my first piece of business content when I launched. I didn't, you know, create anything for people to buy until November. Um, and that first four months was all building trust. I just gave a bunch of free value. I had a bunch of free guides. I did a lot of free coaching calls, actually. Mm -hmm. So I would say, hey, if you have any questions about your business, if you want to talk to me about your strategy, if you just whatever, whatever, um, I'm offering free calls. And so I would do these hour-long calls for no money. But what I did mm. was I said, okay, I'm happy to do this, but in exchange, could you please give me a video testimonial? I like that. Mm -hmm. And just tell me if it worked, you know, what did you learn? Um, are you going to keep using these tips? You know, just a general review. And so when I finally did put out 
$47 an hour coaching mm-hmm. calls when I finally, <laughs> I know when I finally put a price tag on it, those testimonials are what made people pay me that $47. Oh. Um, so that was a big deal. Like when somebody, when I saw my little notification that somebody had paid me 47, I was like, <laughs> I think we just launched a second channel. It's not doing well. Just yet, you know, it's just not, I mean, it's not, obviously it's going to, you know, take some time, but give me the psychology behind having multiple channels. Yeah. So at this point, again, a lot of those other channels were projects, lessons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now it's Think Media and our Think Media podcast channel. I do think if you have the resources, there maybe is something about having um, a separate channel for your video podcast. And that was what we originally kind of started it for was it was our podcast channel. It also was because the other channel already had a promise to it. And this is the way you should be thinking. So Think Media mainly teaches what camera should I buy for YouTube? What's the best camera for YouTube? How do I set up my lighting? How do I set up my audio? And lots of nuances, video editing software, a little bit of YouTube tips and strategies. So the expectation there, heavy tech, you know, heavy tech reviews, tech tutorials. So we figured if we're launching a video podcast that's about kind of YouTube marketing and business strategy even more when it comes to YouTube, does that really fit the tone of the room? You know, does that meet the dress code of Mm. of Think Media? Mm. And that was, that's the original way we thought. No, it doesn't. Plus, we want to start fresh and we want to also build up, diversify our audience and get people who are truly passionate um, you know, one of the experts on our team, Omar Al-Takori, he's like the top ranking guy for video podcasts. He has like 20 video podcast videos on YouTube. And mm. he talks about, it also is audience expectation. Think Media had been expecting camera videos, camera tutorials. And if all of a sudden we start hitting them with 30, 45 minute episodes about not exactly what they want, again, we sort of violated the trust for which they subscribed for. Mm. We can force it. And they could choose not to watch it, but we didn't want to work up the channel in that regard. So once we start the video, we literally also have podcasts in the title. So the second channel is called Think Media Podcast. Not everyone is going to make an association of what that means, but many will. They'll go, okay, so this isn't trying to just be right to it, hyper edited, entertaining. This is longer form conversations. And so that was the original reasoning for starting it. And then it also gave us a place for where our shows would live. We don't really have shows on Think Media. It's answering specific questions, reviewing right. specific products, teaching specific skills. Whereas what what evolved on our podcast channel was not just our weekly podcast, but Heather Torres on the team started the YouTube Made Simple show. Mm-hmm. And I started the Coffee with Cannell show, which don't go on podcasts. They're just live stream shows. Right. Um, and then what really gets interesting is how we slice and dice all this stuff and just post it wherever. So what we'll we might do a great, uh, I, I did a recent episode on like courage on YouTube mm-hmm. secrets. It's the first C mm-hmm. and, and the podcast version is like 18 minutes. Well, if you really want to make a great YouTube video out of that, you could probably get it down to 11, maybe nine with a good editor. Mm-hmm. And cause I'm not greeting the podcast. I'm not saying, welcome back. I'm not saying leave a review of the book, trim all that out. So what's interesting is there's like the podcast episode recorded, but we almost can use that same asset now turn it into a think media version, strip all call to actions out, get straight to the point, And we'll get, you know, 11,000, 10,000 views on the podcast. We'll get 55,000 on think media. And that's where we're at because that mm. momentum is a bigger channel. But like, 
the level this holiday we're gonna uh, upload like our best of we'll upload like mm-hmm. five ep- we'll upload a, you know lewis house and evan carmichael their best performing videos are two to three hours long mm. got it got it got it got it got it and got then, it and then they tell you to so then this is how they trick you so then they say well to get higher in the algorithm post more content but by posting more content all that does is give them more content to run ads in between so you're feeding you're giving them space to run more ads to make more money and they're telling you do that because it'll make the algorithm and you'll get higher and but do they boot the algorithm so that we have that result of posting more because you post more if you get more engagement right so are they shooting no they just they just they just nullified all that yesterday they just proved all that with some bs mm. they said oh we're starting meta verified did you hear about that yeah yeah meta verified you can buy your blue check now, but it also comes with higher visibility, higher ranking in search. Yes. Yeah. That means your content was never reaching nobody. They was lying to you the whole time. Right. Okay. I see. You have to listen I to see. what you have to listen to what they're not saying as opposed to what they're saying. Yeah. They're telling you, like, oh yeah, reach more people and get higher visibility. Fam, if I have 200 million people that want to see me and you're only showing me to 7 million people, you're playing with my money. You're playing with my reach. You're playing with my audience. I have a product to sell. I have a message to get out. You're playing with them. Why am I here? So when you buy the verification, are they going to let everyone be verified? Anybody that pays $11.99 a month, which again is a subscription, and we'll get to subscriptions in a minute. A hundred percent. But I wonder if the paid verification will look different somehow than the celebrity verification. So I'll say this, probably so. And if so, it's because of fan base. So I'm just say this. When I built fan base, I said, you know what we need? I told Ramirez, I said, for people that work at fan base or really early investors, mm. we need a gold verification badge. So there's the blue, yeah. but then we got the gold. Right. Like high executives, high level investors, very important people, right? As soon as Elon took over Twitter, if you go to Twitter right now, all the Twitter accounts have gold verification checks now. And all they're going to do is get everybody, what they're going to do is they're going to let everybody use MetaVerified and they're going to switch that check. They're going to switch the color and add another level. Really? Go Hold on. Tw- on Twitter, there's gold verification. Go to Twitter right now. Just go to Twitter and then start and type in the search and start Twitter. And all the, all the official Twitter accounts will have gold verification badges. Well, the only person I really follow, I do follow Elon. Be one no, he, won't, he, he doesn't have one. And I only, I only follow a few people because it started getting too crazy. And I got kids. And if you see, if you go on Twitter... If somebody likes some, what's up podcaster or soon to be podcaster, get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know ATL baby, Atlanta, Georgia going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art 
of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay, I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people t- listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so you secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal they're like i'm talking about it's porn on that joint. it's inundated with porn i don't know how it stays on the app store yeah that yeah i only follow six people bro the people that i know ain't Looking yeah. at that. No, but just take a look at this. Look at these accounts. So see Twitter? That has a gold check mark. Oh. Right? Gold check. Right. Michael Jackson, blue check. Yeah. But I mean, for official accounts, right? Now let me show you. So on fan base. Michael Jackson, blue. You got it. So on fan base, when you search for users, I've always had that. Mm. Yeah, I've had this since like 2018, 2019. And that's for people that were on early. Yeah, or, or, or people that work for the company. So you know, like, oh, this is an employee, like a high-level executive of Fanbase. So uh-huh. Rama, who's my CTO, the official Fanbase page, Dre works for Fanbase. So you'll know, okay, those are those are people like, okay, I know who that is. Gotcha. You start to understand search engine optimiz- optimization there, yes? Yes, absolutely. And how did you take that into Instagram? Because it's not the same. It's not. So what I'll say is I didn't necessarily take it into Instagram. It did help me with Instagram ads a little bit. But to be honest, it just gave me a healthy foundation and understanding mm-hmm. of the, you know, the architecture that is the Internet. Like, yeah. where are the channels where we can get traffic and how does 
the algorithm decide what to rank higher than the other thing. Mm -hmm. So it gave me at least a foundational understanding. And you know, once you get the foundational understanding, that's a great place to be to make up your own rules or, you know, imagine things. So what I would say is the, the next step from there, it gave me the foundation to then when I worked at Udemy, I knew about SEO. I knew about that channel of organic marketing. And so then while I was at Udemy, I worked for, my boss was brilliant. He's amazing. And I got to learn from him. And that's where I learned uh, about data analytics. Um, I, I couldn't learn SQL for the life of me though. Have you tried to learn SQL? I know. It's, yeah. Have I, would, I tried to I learn, try, I don't even I know, know what SQL <laughs> is. Like, what are you <laughs> okay. talking about? It's, yeah, that, that's where my line was like, I could do a pivot table, but SQL. Um, but yeah, so that's where I learned to like track the data because I was responsible for coaching. I essentially did what I do now. Like mm. I would coach individuals who were launching their courses and I would help them determine uh, how should you brand it? How are you going to grow your audience? Um, what should you title your course? What should you price it at? And how do you get a 10K launch? Even if you don't have an audience. So because I had like the foundational knowledge, I could help advise them on these are keywords you should include mm -hmm. in your course title so you can rank on Udemy's platform, right? Because Udemy is like an Amazon. It's a big old search engine for online courses. Oh, wow. So I could use that SEO knowledge to advise them use these keywords because you'll rank higher and though add your specific twist. What is your culture ad? What are those few things that one, you know, result that you're going to add to make yourself stand out? Mm. So I was able to better advise them uh, when I was there because of that. Um, so then my first product was my business credit ebook and it was mm. $15. $15? Yeah. I'd imagine you sold a buttload of them joints. I mean, at that time, I had maybe 4,000 followers, so I had started to grow. Um, but in that first, you know, kind of like month or two of selling, I think I made 10K. Mm -hmm. So not huge. but That's exciting. Yeah. Coming from not making any money, I mm -hmm. was like, wow, this is really possible. So when I started to see that it was possible, it's just I was like foot on the gas. Only I only talk about business credit, I want to say, for like a full year. Dang, so that works to grow a following? It's not too much. What? Like three times a day? No. Alive? No. Because the way I saw it was I knew what my work ethic was when I was in corporate America. And I knew how hard I would go for my boss. So I felt like, why would I not go this hard for myself and my kids? And the way I saw it, you know, Instagram, there's billions of people posting every day on the platform. So if I want the opportunity to even get noticed by a small percentage of them, I have to show up all the time. Mm. Like, you have to see me in the morning when you get up, in the afternoon when you're on your lunch break, and at night before you eat dinner and go to bed. That was my philosophy. And so that's why I showed up every single day. And when I started going live, I would do maybe twice a day if I had the energy, once a day, but it would always, I wanted my audience to know that they could trust me. I wanted them to know that even though I was a mother with four kids, because you could see my kids in the background, you know, at mm. this point I'm living at my mom's house, <laughs> right? I felt like the best way for me to really show them that I was, you know, reputable and that I knew what I was talking about was to show up consistently, answer every single question, because I knew I had the answer. Dang. You know, I was never afraid that someone would ask me something I didn't know, because I also only taught on things that I knew. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to go out here and say, here's how you start wholesaling or flipping real estate. Right. And I've never done that, right? Yeah. So I said, if I can show up consistently in my lane, then I can own this lane. And so I'm excited because in going into Christmas week, 
which Christmas hits on a weekend this year, but going into like the holidays, everyone's shut down. We'll have five scheduled uploads, all repurposed content. And one of the videos we'll upload on Think Media, since that's technically- Five over the weekend total? We actually will go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Christmas, gotcha. I think, is Saturday and uh, uh, or Christmas Eve is Saturday. Christmas is Sunday. But like, call it that week. Everyone's shut down right, that right, week. Right. No one's uploading that week. We'll upload five videos. But they'll all have been edited probably like weeks earlier. And they will be what we call content marathons. And one of those, we'll just take like our five best video podcast episodes, stitch them all together, throw some, what, what a lot of times Omar and Heather will put on like Christmas sweat, sweaters and like host a telethon. You'd think like, would anyone want to watch this? Like, well, people, they're at home. They don't want to hang out with their family. Like, Uncle Larry's weird, dude. You know what I mean? And so they go in their room. They're like, no one's uploading. Like, everyone's on Christmas break. And they're like, oh, cool. Think media. Like, I'm going to turn this on. And, and so what's wild is actually those typically perform really well. But well, I'm sorry, when you say five videos, are you saying like super long videos? Yeah, like I mean, if how long? The podcast is 25 minutes long times five. It'll be a two hour content marathon. Oh, so you're saying, goodness gracious. So you're saying five two hour videos every day. Yeah. I mean, uh, one, yeah. well, yeah, there'll be one two hour video every day for like five days. Yeah. So, so what we did a couple of years ago and it crushed, we did, uh, we do office tours. Mm -hmm. So, cause we all work from home. So it's like Omar's office tour, Heather's office tour, Sean's office tour, three separate videos. During the holidays, we stitch them all together. Same uploads on YouTube, all stitched together. That did better than they did individually. And, and then we host them. So there's like some strategy to it. There's like a hook like, hey, are you looking for some inspiration for your office? You're going to see different styles. And you have, you know, you got literally different styles. You have, you know, kind of, uh, it's not really like shabby chic, but that's just the word that comes to mind for like, Heather, you kind of have that female, whatever. So, and then we time code it out. People can skip around. And, you know, the average view duration of this is only like 12 minutes of the hour and 10 minutes that the video is. But 12 minutes is like triple the average on YouTube. Like the yeah. average view duration of a video on YouTube is around four to five minutes. So if you're holding people's attention as they skip through this video for 12, YouTube rewards that video like crazy. A lot of times we'll get 20 to 30 to 40,000 views on a video. I think that video got 125,000 views. And we really just, we've done all this work during the year. We just yeah. put them into buckets, basically. So we combined um, office tour videos. You could combine interviews. You could, and we also think about like, and our, we just group things like microphones, like the ultimate microphone video. And, and the fact is there's shotgun microphones, there's USB microphones, right. podcast microphones. So you're maybe taking all the ones you already did already and did. just putting them together. That right there, man, was worth people showing up for the podcast today. I mean, that's... Yo, yo, somebody take all of like the women and like, let's put something together, like all of the women and then like all of the financial experts. Just remind me that we're going to do that. Okay. And Seriously, way, send me a text of that, actually. And that's what that's what Lewis will do is he'll group because he has such a backlog of interviews. He'll group his interviews into topics. It's up. So he'll go like, you know, seven wealth building tips, you know, for getting rich or something like that. And he'll put he's had Robert Kiyosaki on mm -hmm. and like, you know, someone else about money mindset. And so he'll he'll cluster those things together. So, of course, the strategy working it happens on the other side of pump, publishing a lot of great content. But I would advocate heavily that people are not repurposing and reusing anywhere near enough and not very intelligently because these, this content is assets. And, and the myth is people go, 
Now, well, what if someone's like in the comments and they go, you already uploaded this, you know, or someone complains and says, you know, man, you're just getting repetitive on the channel. And it's like, one, I have seen that comment twice. Two, it was two comments on a 22,000 viewed video with 2,000 <laughs> likes. Three, Ricky is living in his mom's basement. <laughs> right. Dude, don't watch the video, bro. If you already saw it, like, it's going to be okay. Like, this is, think about, and where we got Unbelievable, the content marathon was, you know, once you take that show like The Walking Dead or something, yeah. like any show, Simpsons, like they do marathons. Yeah. So the shows have already come out but you can watch them all in one, you know, sequence uh, all together. And guess what your option is? Oh, I already watched them. I don't want to watch the marathon. Like, Mm. it's going to be all right, bro. (laughs) But the other fact is people are also just discovering it or they or repetition is the father of learning and the mother of mastery. It's like, I want to watch it again. And there's so much noise in the world um, and online and there's so much competition, people also forget. So they don't even know they've watched it before. That's a fact. And so, yeah, this is a really slept on strategy. Um, because uh, I think you can get a lot more longevity out of your content. And with all the new subscribers you're getting, if you combine, you know, some of your best stuff, then the new upload may do better than it previously did. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So I went to this class, not a class. It was a conference on like growing with video. And I realized that uh, my thumbnails are too small. And I mean, I need to make a bunch of tweaks. Okay. But that's kind of me playing into the algorithm or the SEO on YouTube. Yes. Do you not advise that? Oh, yeah. So I do believe in best practices. And I believe in our instincts. So... If you have a marketer's... Dang, that just sat, that just sat in my spirit. Mm. You said best practices and instincts. Yes. Dang. That's good. And sometimes you have an instinct about something that isn't necessarily the best practice, but you just feel something. And I guess at that point determines kind of like how successful you'll be, especially if you've done enough research... Okay, so, so just just talk to me about what I'm trying to talk to you about right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's mad stuff going on through my head and I'm trying to figure it out and I'm actually looking for coaching right now. Oh. <laughs> I love it. All right, so I'm supposed to ask you a clarifying question and all that, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, in that case with the thumbnails, what I would say is, first of all, what are the results you're getting? Because it's one thing for someone to tell you, here's a best practice, your thumbnails are too small. However... If you, as David Shands, are killing it and you're getting the click-throughs that where the data says, we f- we love your thumbnails, like this is working, then your thumbnails ain't too small. It wasn't. Okay. I just learned the click-through okay. rate thing. Oh, I thought we just came okay. up with a full title. When I, when I, my guy, he made the thumbnail. I was like, ooh, that's hard. Let's do it. And I put it on there. And you're then, like, ooh, where everybody at? Where the clicks at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a good, so then you ask yourself about the litmus test. So everything has a litmus test. How do we know if this is working or not working? And you want to look at the piece of data closest to what the asset is. In this case, the asset is the thumbnail. What's the piece of data closest to it? The click-through rate. The click-through rate is what like people see the thumbnail. Are they clicking it? So that is our litmus test. Is this working or not? 
Got it. So when you look at the CTR, if you're like, oh, yeah, this ain't given, mm -hmm. then most likely maybe the thumbnail is too small. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, having multiple streams of income can be damaging. Hmm. And I and probably, probably. If you had less streams of income, you'd probably make more money, even oh. though you make good money right now. Same what do you think this. about that? I mean, I think that. Well, someone once told me sometimes the many can keep you from the money. That's oh, right, like that. Ooh, that's a bar. <laughs> that's a bar. I know when when it was Text told me, to I'm me. On the okay. Yeah, when it was told to <laughs> me, I was like, oh, it just shook me a little bit. Mm -hmm. The many can keep you from the money, so. There could be some truth to that, but I think there's a difference between having multiple streams of income and having multiple businesses. I think that when you have multiple businesses, it takes you away from your focus. Mm -hmm. But when you create different income pathways that are self-managed or systematized, you just have a bunch of passive income. And that's really what I want to show entrepreneurs they can do is you can have your one main business and have your business credit and really focus on that, but leverage some of that to Put a couple of vending machines somewhere or buy some property so that you are still always diversifying. Because whether you have a job or a business, one income is still too close to none, That's you know, fact. and you'll lose it. All right. So I want to for because I know the people that are like your brand new content creators and like it's blowing your mind because we're going to figure out how you got to be this YouTube king in this space to understand it all. But I do have to touch on one thing. You saw Mr. Beast, he got offered a billion dollars for his portfolio, but he turned it down. Yeah. Had the audacity to say, I want 10 billion. Yes. Who does he think he is? And his answer will probably be Mr. Beast. What is your thought on this? Like, wh give, give me just your whole conversation around. Oh, I think he's absolutely right. I don't think yeah. that, I don't think it was audacity. Yeah. I think he it is was, Mr. Beast. I don't even think it was overconfidence. I think that was humility. Yeah. It's probably worth more than 10 million, <laughs> 10 billion. For sure. for sure. I think that was definitely worth, I mean, like, I, I think he's understanding what his catalogs were. I don't know what the terms of the deal was, yeah. too, because I also, is it just like his back catalog? No, it probably was, you know, when you get bought out, they they buy you yeah. usually for a couple of years and you have to keep things going. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it was, I think what it what's cool about it is it is actually, a lot of people feel like as small creators, they feel and they look at a Mr. Beast that there's this huge, massive gap. But that was a win for the entire creator economy. 100%. Whether you're just starting or whether you have more influence, I think it just shows how much pull and weight and Mr. Beast is paving the way yeah. for creators to, to be able to say, no, do you understand? We're, we are the ones that actually have the influence right now. Yeah. Like macro influencer marketing and micro influencer marketing, channels with around 5,000 subscribers or followers, is a better ROI for advertising dollars than banner, than banner ads, than billboards, than television commercials. Mm. And so uh, the world is still asleep, I think, to the creator economy and to influencers and to content entrepreneurs. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that that kind of headline is just a good thing to actually show the kind of depth that creators like you are building. Yeah. And I think that a lot of creators are still undervalued valuing themselves while most right, maybe right. have the mindset to take it. And of course, I mean, respective of... I'd have taken it. Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. What, but you know what? I don't know if I'd have taken it if I'm where he is right now because it's not like he's any short of money. Like, if somebody's going to offer you a billion dollars, you probably have 
you have something substantial. And again, he might be a little bit short of money. Like the way he runs his business is he runs it on the bleeding edge, you know, and he's been very articulate about this. What do you mean? He just reinvests everything, every dollar for dollar. And they, they, they're so pedal to the metal. They're like always running out of me- money. I mean, the levels of studios he's building, the levels of production. I think even when you break down the Squid Game video, I think it lost money. By the time you even had the brand deal and the AdSense, it cost like three, four million to make the video and it made like three. I think that video maybe lost a million dollars. Of course, do your own research, but he really broke down all those numbers. So- Yeah, hold on, bro. Hold on. You said he's spending three to four million dollars to make videos? That Squid Game video was like four million or something like that. Yeah, people spend that on movies. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had, he had, 20 editors and CGI graphics and all that. And that video was extraordinary. Now, I didn't see it. I need to go see it. Now, if you go, but then you go the long tail and his whole catalog pumps out so much cash yeah. and his videos keep making money. And you also, that video also will keep making money. It'll probably be ROI positive um, eventually. Yeah, for sure. You know, that kind of thing. But all that to say is uh, there's also, as kind of a, a side note, there's these companies that are paying YouTubers for their back catalogs like Spotter. And I know Mr. Beast works with some of those companies. Mm. And so they essentially, not, not anything going forward, but they, they, they give you a one lump sum of money for your content from the past until now for like a three-year contract. But, some, but com- these companies are paying like million-dollar checks or multi-million-dollar checks. Oh, and just wow. smaller creators will pay like 100 grand. To, and maybe your catalog's not that big. So one of my friends is like a yoga creator. And they got offered, I don't know if they signed it, but they got offered like 80K and they were not even super active. They just had this back library of videos. And what 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 Spotter is doing is they are then gonna bypass the YouTube ad uh, revenue system and run their own ads with their own CPM that they're gonna sell at their own terms. And they're taking a level of risk and obviously they gotta win. So they yeah. clearly think they're gonna make more than they're paying you. But the point of it is upfront camp capital. My friend Anthony O'Neill and I were talking all about this. And he was saying, I've been getting offered this and that for my back catalog. And my question to him was, well, do you need the money? Because, and Mr. Beast has done this. I'm not sure the exact details, mm-hmm. but his mentality is get cash, reinvest scale yeah. and, and keep pushing it right to that bleeding line as opposed to, um, he's not trying to exit. He's super young. Yeah. I think he's single. <laughs> he's outside. Yeah, he's not trying. <laughs> he's probably, he's like, it's, he's like 10 is what I would take now. Yeah. I'm taking this thing to hundred billion. I think he wants to, he wants to build the next album. He wants to be a trillion dollar company or something. I mean, his, so that's his level of thinking, but all that to say is knowing your worth, thinking about what's your catalog worth. No one's offering me any money for my back catalog. You actually, you could, uh, you may not have hit their radar, but uh, there's like three or four different, five different competitors. I probably wouldn't recommend doing it because if you're able to generate cash, it's, it's a risk. Of course, they're hoping they win. They might lose, but over three years time, and then it's, what do you plan on doing in three years' time in terms of how that activates your back catalog? Yeah, I don't always want to go to the club, but I want somebody to invite me. Yeah. I don't I don't ever go, but I want the invitation. I want somebody to try to, because then it's cool content. Somebody offer you some money for our back catalog. Yeah. Somebody offer you money from your back catalog? Uh, we talked about it at uh, VidCon. Yeah, VidCon. This mm. year I spoke at VidCon. That's when I met those guys. Mm. And and so, I, but I haven't really pursued it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got some okay. business cards and stuff, and we should talk and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And and I mean, I think it's worth considering. But again, future is forward. It's yeah. like kind of how much self confidence do you have yeah. or belief? In- so uh, you're saying 
you don't run ads, but that doesn't necessarily ruin the experience. It and it seems like at some point fan base will run ads. But here's the thing. If I run ads, I have to compete with you. Where's the value? I have to, as soon as I start running ads, I'm in competition with you. Hmm. Okay. Why would they run ads with me? They were like, oh, I can just run ads on one of the famous people on fan base. There are other things that we can do. I just wanted something free that people could say, look, I, I can, and, and I say, I, I, can, I can start my, my web series, like Awkward Black Girl, and take it all the way to Insecure on fan base from the very beginning. So it can mm. start out with, oh, we had 100 subscribers. In season two, we got 5,000 subscribers. In season three, we got 300,000 subscribers. Now we done went and bought a little studio and we got to sit and I can pay. We got cameras and everything. We done blowing this thing up now. And right. it just keeps going. When I tell people the amount of money that's going to be made, right? And I can hypothesize, right? And, and, and show you like um, The Rock has, I think it's like 360 million followers on social media, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not his fan base. Think about this. Everybody, 5% of the people that follow you are your fan base. The other 95% of people that follow you follow you passively like a magazine at a grocery store. Mm -hmm. They're nosy or they're haters, right? <laughs> the other 5% is your fan base. Because if that was the case, every time Beyonce drop an album, she sell 200 million copies. Yeah. No, she ain't selling 200 million copies. It's like she's got the Beehive is like 14 million people worldwide. Mm -hmm. They go see your shows, buy our products and stuff like that. So The Rock has about 18,500,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. That follow him on that, that are his fan base of that three hundred and sixty, right? Yeah. So let's hypothesize real quick to say, well, you know these numbers. Like, give him a round of applause. You know these numbers. I'll tell you, them stats so, being smart about your business. Golly, this is impressive. So let's hypothesize that the Rock says, "I'm going to charge fourteen ninety nine a month to subscribe directly to me on fan base for content, me working out stuff that I'm mm. working on with my movies, whatever." And he takes half that revenue. Apple and Google take thirty percent. We right. take 20 and give 50 to the user. That's right in line with YouTube. YouTube Shorts actually takes 55% of the revenue. You get 45. Mm. Twitch is 50-50. And TikTok pays about two to four cents per thousand views. Okay. So let's just say he makes $7.50 a subscriber, right? So we'll just take that number. This is what he would make a month. $138 million. Right. And this is what he would make a year. $1.6 billion. Billion. And what I'm saying is no matter what any of us do, that is about to happen because there's nothing in, in my, in what, what, what's always mm. so, what's always so crazy about this is social media is a very, is a psychological, it's a psychological masterclass on behavior patterns, right? Cause I've been studying this for years. Right. And this is what I mean. Is anybody familiar with OnlyFans? Everybody familiar with OnlyFans? Okay. No, I'm married brother. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's still market research. Never heard of it. It's still, like <laughs> it's, still, it's still market research. But let me explain something to you. The very first time that I saw OnlyFans, I was like, yo, the strip club industry is dead. It's over. Mm. It's finished. You're telling me as a stripper that I don't have to stay up till four in the morning in a smoke-filled club with strange men grabbing all over my body, and I might walk out of there with $1,200 when I can sit in my house mm. and make a 1,000 times the money and never see anybody. But yet... Today, women are getting up right now to get ready to go to the strip club and strip. Because mm -hmm. it's just what they know. Yeah. But there are a few women that I know that left and did OnlyFans and they're millionaires. They're like, oh yeah, I'm out of here. They're gone. They're making millions, like millions, like millions on OnlyFans. Because it's the world is your store. Yeah. There's nothing, so there's nothing that stops. And when I and, and, and I'll just show you so you see, there's nothing that stops, there's nothing that can stop this. 
Let me show you what I mean by nothing's going to stop this. You see this user right here? So she has a, 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 a page, right? Mm-hmm. So I want you to see how fast. Show the camera. Show that camera right there. Oh, see if you guys can see it. But this okay. one right here. That let, one me right turn here. My, let me turn my brightness down a little bit. Let me turn my brightness down a little bit. But let me go back. So if you see this, right, to subscribe to a user, I hit that button. And then I hit this button again. And then, boom, a thing comes up. And I subscribe to that user for $4.99 a month or whatever. That's it. That's everybody on the planet. Mm. So the ability for everybody on the planet to receive revenue that fast. So, so when Taylor Swift sells 2 million tickets in an hour on Ticketmaster, she can have 2 million subscribers in an hour that pay her month over month. Mm. No one's ever gone really viral. Like, but my, my point is it keeps happening. And I'd be like, y'all don't get this? Like when Bad Baby said she made $50 million on OnlyFans in a year, y'all didn't just drop what y'all were doing and be like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Like, if we can do that, and she made that money, that's real money that she made. Yeah. That's more money than Cardi, Lotto, Nikki, Megan, Doja. And and the first thing that I did is went to her OnlyFans and subscribed. Real talk. How was it? I it was a hundred and <laughs> no listen. It was 160 pieces of content. Mm-hmm. She was in primarily bikinis and lingerie, and no video was longer than 10 seconds. Mm. Of 160 pieces of content, she made $50 million. And I had this conversation, and I'll say this to anybody that's listening right now that hears this. If you do not start monetizing your content via subscription today, five years from now, you're going to be out-earned by someone that is less talented than you are that simply decided to do so. It is not about the talent. It's about simply doing it. I've, ha- I've sat with comedians. I've sat with fa- I'm not going to name the names, but I've sat with comedians that are doing shows $30 ticket shows in Atlanta Comedy Theater. And I show them this comedian named Tim Dillon who has a podcast. And Tim Dillon's making like $212,000 a month of like 30,000 people. And they're like, I'm funnier than Tim Dillon. Yeah, but he's bringing in $2.4 million a year. And you don't even know who he is because he's doing it off subscription. Mm. You're driving city to city in a van. He's shooting comedy specials and streaming them. And the, and the audience, the money comes to him. He doesn't have to leave. Oh, my gosh. I'm launching a Patreon this month. You shouldn't. No? No, you should launch a fan base. So long. I'm on fan base. No, but you should utilize. What I mean by that is you should see Patreon is not a social network. It's a content house. Once you go to Patreon and see your content, what else is there to do on Patreon? Nothing. Exactly. But people can come to subscribe to your content on fan base or be there for somebody else and discover you and then subscribe to you there. So it's the best of both worlds. It's the audience you bring and the audience that happens upon you. Well, obviously, Instagram stole that from you. They have subscribers. Mm hmm. But it's only like your stories, I suppose. Or now you could do no, you can post. Yeah. But again, what difference does it make if your content's not being seen by everybody? We don't suppress content. Meaning, if you have a hundred million followers on fan base and you post a piece of content, we're putting it on a hundred million people's timelines. Mm. They might not see it all at the same time. They might see it like within a week. But we're not suppressing your content to run ads. That's the that's the advantage. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Dang, that's. Brilliant. So three a day yep. and live. Yeah. Every day for every the day. last two years or so. Two years. Even on weekends. I know. Sometimes on weekends it's like one a day or two. But for the most part, and I've kept all my posts on my page. I don't really archive anything. Um, so many times. Yeah. So I really want, and I do that because I want people to scroll back to 
July. I want people to scroll back to when you see me going live and my kids are asking me for snacks and I'm holding the baby and it's getting a little crazy. But I keep all that because to me, it's important that people see the journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I coach a lot of women specifically as in my audience um, who are mothers and I want them to see Yes, there are days when it's going to be hard, but there's no excuse. You know, there's there's no reason not to. You might cry. You might have your days where it's very challenging to show up, but it's always worth it to show yeah. up. And you always can. I mean, I think that social media has created unprecedented access. I would have never been able to do this 20 years ago or mm. 10 years ago, maybe yeah. even five years ago. You know, to literally be at home unemployed, but use a stimulus check and just decide to show up every single day on my area of expertise and make a million dollars. That's crazy. Like, yeah, it's free to show up. It's free to show up. It's free to show up. Mm, I think you really cracked the code. And I think, and there are some people that are not hitting their goal, including myself, that I think if I were to like really show up more, I would reach higher levels of success. I think you would but too. For some reason, I'm not showing up. I mean, is it timing? Is it what is it? Why? Maybe timing, comfortability. Are you? I was gonna say, are you comfortable? Being lackadaisical. Yeah, and you know what? That's a big thing because after I made my first million, you know, ten months later, I thought about. Yo, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> right, I just hold scoot on, that in there real calm. Hold on. Because I was trying for years to make my first million in a year. I'm talking about years. Yeah. So I left my job in 2012. Oh, you left. Okay. 2012. Yeah. I mean, I left like making a couple dollars. It wasn't crazy. Yeah. 2012, I replaced my Cheesecake Factory income. Love it. Favorite restaurant. You know what I mean? So 10 months. 10 months. You make a a million dollars. 1.3. How you do that? Literally creating content. That was a $47 ebook. I'm I'm telling you, I just, I raised my prices. $47 coaching, $15 (laughs) ebook. So eventually I had raised my prices a bit, but at that point, my highest offer was $100. I think at then my business, I mean, I was, I was not playing. I'll say it that way. I was not playing. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.